The reading this morning is taken from Luke, chapter chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I have just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again, everyone. Um, it always feels like a bit of a regathering, doesn't it? The uh, the first Sunday of September, especially for families um, who've been away for the school holidays. So, if you have been away, welcome back. And if while you were away, you managed to visit a local church, I hope you received a very warm welcome. But I just wanted to start with uh, an example of a situation or an experience that Kate and I once had that wasn't quite so positive. And this was back in the year 1 BC, that's before Clara, uh, if you don't understand the terminology. It was our baby moon. Do you, know what, do you know what a baby moon is? Heard that expression? It's just before the baby comes, you take the last opportunity to go uh, somewhere long haul or exotic. And uh, I persuaded Kate this was a good idea. It was February and we went off to Florida. And I was like going to America because I feel confident I can visit a church that I'm going to learn something from um, and generally have a good time. So I Google searched where could we go in this particular town, came up with First Baptist Church. I won't say the town, but that, that's looked promising. Um, so we drove off to this church. And uh, I must admit, as we approached, we found a massive car park, which was good, a huge building, uh, which looked palatial, um, modern, uh, and uh, this looked very promising indeed. As we went into the building, there was no one there to, uh, to greet us. 
So we, we followed the few people that we could see into a sort of hall area where they had self-service refreshments. Uh, had poured myself some coffee, had a muffin, um, and waited for someone to come up to us and say hello. 10, 15 minutes later, no one did. And I was sort of thinking to myself, are we invisible? And I went to shout, can you see us? Well, that probably wouldn't have been appropriate. But uh, anyway, this, uh, this rather awkward, uh, you know, lonely situation was ended by a tannoy announcement that said we should all now come through to the auditorium. So we went into there. Uh, there was no one there to show us to our seats. We sat down uh, next to some people. They did not acknowledge us. Uh, the service went on. There was no moment in the service where you got to talk to your neighbour. The congregation itself just didn't seem to be engaging with anything at all. And in that particular church, it seemed the tradition was the last thing that happened in the service was that the preacher finished his sermon, said amen, sat down, and then the entire church immediately got up and walked out. (laughs) I mean, it was like the cinema or something or football match without having to, you know, boo your team or whatever, but it was quite astonishing. And uh, Kay and I just turned to each other when we got back to the car and both said that was the worst experience of church we had ever had. There we go. Well, you'll be pleased to know that's not what I'm recommending us to follow as an example here today. In fact, the reputation and the reality as far as I'm concerned, and so many I've spoken to, is that St. Paul's is a brilliantly welcoming church. And um, I just want to say thank you for welcoming us, all of us, all four of us. We have felt so welcome. I also want to say I'm sorry if I haven't got to know you all properly yet. If you're in that situation, please do come and introduce yourself uh, to me or to Kate at some point in the next few weeks or reintroduce yourself if that's what's needed. Eventually, I will get to know you all. It's difficult in a big church, but it really helps me if you do that. So... We're good at welcoming, that much is clear. So why have a sermon on welcoming at all? Well, because it's always good to be reminded, as Tim has just shared, we're going to be forming new congregations. Even this congregation will be a little bit different as some people move to the nine o'clock and new people join this term. And it's a great opportunity. This is the chance where we can make the holes in our net so small that no one slips through. Are we ready to do that? That's why we're looking at this topic today. So what am I going to cover? Well, I'm going to uh, cover, I think, five or six uh, little tips on what, as I see it, a truly welcoming church means, taken from the passage we heard just read and one or two other passages first. But let's, first of all, just pray. Father God, thank you for the great... uh, tradition of welcome that there is here at St. Paul's. Lord, we just want that to flourish and, and grow even more the case. And Lord, we want to be ready to receive all of the new people coming into new congregations or visiting St. Paul's for the first time this term. Lord, Lord, would you excite us about the ministry of welcome? Lord, would you help each of us to just to uh, get a sense of how we could do more or we could be more welcomed ourselves. And that, Lord, that would see this become an even more loving community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so, what's the first thing? Uh-oh, that's, okay, that's not the right slides, Nigel. Don't worry, I think I've given Nigel the wrong file. Let's just turn those off. And uh, you don't need slides. If you've got pen and paper, though, you might want to take 
some notes. So the first thing that I want to share uh, from uh, that, uh, that parable of the great banquet is this. It has eternal consequences. Okay, so the great banquet might seem a strange parable to choose because it's obviously, um, it's not explicitly or specifically about welcome. However, there are principles flowing from it that can easily be applied to welcome and hopefully that will be clear from the outset. And so the first is it has eternal consequences because the context of the parable is it's a metaphor of a dinner party but it's about heaven. Responding to it correctly has real implications for us when we respond to Jesus' invitation to us and for others when we succeed or fail in welcoming them. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees who didn't like the company Jesus kept. Tax collectors, sinners, the poor, the lame, the blind, all people that they looked down on and ignored. And Jesus responds in the most serious of terms. His welcome of those cast-offs is contrasted with their rejection. And just as he welcoming them was securing their place in the heavenly kingdom, the Pharisees' rejection of them was endangering theirs. So welcoming matters. And actually, there are numerous verses in the New Testament that make the point that we need to be welcoming. We need to show hospitality from Matthew 25 to Mark 9, Romans 12, 12, 1 Timothy 3 and 5, Titus 1, Hebrews 13, 1 Peter 4. They all make the point, generally with one verse, and that's why I didn't choose them as our passage today. But they all confirm that we are right in thinking about welcome. And it's right that that we really value it as a church. So that's the first point I want to make. The second is this. Let's not be discouraged. Even though there is on one level plenty to be discouraged about. The host of the banquet could have been, couldn't he? Because it was a pretty poor response rate. 0% as I make it. And they weren't really the strongest of excuses, were they? I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Well, couldn't you go tomorrow? Or didn't you look at it when you bought it? I've just bought five oxen and I need to try them out. You know, they're cows, not sports cars. This is really necessary. Or the best one, I've just got married. Um, What, have you been grounded by your wife? Or have you just got better things to do at home? Who knows? But of course, what the responses actually meant was that people didn't want to build a relationship with the host. They just didn't feel the need And we face a similar situation, don't we, spiritually speaking, in the UK today. Because, of course, the host in the parable is God. And many people in Britain today don't feel the need for him, or certainly not for the church. Yet is the host discouraged? Does he cancel the banquet? No, instead he sees it as an opportunity to instead to go to those who do want a relationship with him to those who do want to experience his generosity. And within the metaphor, those of us who are really committed, active members of St. Paul's, we are the master's servants. And just as the master knew where to send his servants, so God knows where to send us. He knows who is open to him. He knows where the harvest lies. And so we too shouldn't be discouraged, for there's a new plan. But here's now the third thing I want to say, the third principle. We need to get out inviting. 
Being a truly welcoming church doesn't simply mean waiting for people to come to us. Because there are people out there who don't know that they are welcome. Or who need a personal invitation, realistically, to get them into church. All the recent research about people becoming Christians in this country says that personal invitation is key. It's far more likely to happen if that comes. Very few people come in off the streets or just decide to pop in one Sunday. Far more likely is that someone has invited them or encouraged them. So it raises the challenge to us this term, will we invite people? And what could we be inviting them to? Well, it could be to come and try our new nine o'clock service. Plenty of people would be interested in something a little more quieter and reflective and traditional. But equally, many people would want to come to a vibrant, informal 10.30 service, a place you can bring your children to, a place you can come without children and really celebrate following Jesus. Or our contemporary evening service that we're trying to make as easy as possible for young people, young adults to come to, and yet appealing right across the board. We've got great services now to invite people to, and we've got the Christmas services coming as well. You could even invite them to come and see the new vicar. Or maybe it's too late for that, I don't know. And we've got the comedy and carols night. It's going to happen the week before the carol services. Another great opportunity to get people in the door of the church. And then there's Alpha in January. It's not going to happen here. It's going to happen at the Beacon Center. Um, but it's a great opportunity for people to ask the questions they've got, have a great meal for free, and make some friends. Why don't you think about offering and praying who you could offer to take to that? And does God expect us to be inviting people? Of course he does. He wants us to be like the disciple Andrew who brought his brother Peter to Jesus. But will God help us in doing that? Absolutely. He'll lead us to the right people. He'll give us the right words to say. But let's just bear in mind the warning of the parable of the sower that not all of our seeds will bear fruit. In fact, most of them won't. But that's certainly not a reason to stop sowing. And actually, the key to persisting in sowing, I would suggest, is sharing our Father's heart. He cares about the poor, the broken, the lonely. He cares about the people who don't realize that he loves them or that they're acceptable to him. He cares about the people who would gladly come along to something if only someone invited them personally. The question is, do we care? Or do we not realise that we're servants called to do our master's will? But invitation is not our main focus today. That's a topic for another day. So let's move on to the fourth aspect of being a welcoming church, which is when they arrive, they feel valued, loved and accepted. Where there's no vibe that you don't fit in, that you're not quite from the right background, that you have to do things our way or not at all. Or that we're looking for people who are sorted already, rather than those who are blatantly not. Because let's not overlook the fact that these things were the reality in that parable. This was a dinner party for the establishment. And the people who were now coming were anything but that. They weren't of the same ilk at all. They had loads of problems. None of the social graces. They weren't connected to the master socially or culturally. So what must then being a welcoming church mean? 
It means being non-judgmental, non-cliquey, and welcoming new people into our community with open arms and open hearts, recognising that we're called to grow our congregations and not to ignore people's needs or brush over them, but to respond to them. And here, I just want to reference the parable of the Good Samaritan as a great analogy for meeting a new person in church. The key thing is that we don't pass on by when we've met them, but we respond to their needs in every way that we can. He postponed whatever it was that he was planning to do that day. He took a genuine interest in the person, even though he had nothing in common with them. They were from a different part of the country, a different racial group. He put in the time. He even put in some money. And when he reached the limit of what he could offer, he arranged for others to get involved too. So what does effective welcoming involve? It means whoever we might have planned to catch up with when we come to church on Sunday, actually, we suspend those plans. If we meet someone that we sense needs some help, who's spiritually vulnerable in such a way, they're the people that we choose to spend our time with. Who might they be? Well, it might be people who are going through particular difficulties like sickness or bereavement or with family or work. It's certainly those who are new to church or those who are still new to or exploring faith. Because if you're not integrated into a Christian community yet, it's really hard to grow in your faith. We can so easily struggle. And a newly found faith or an embryonic faith is so fragile just as a fetus or a newborn baby needs so much protection. So being a welcoming church means that the spiritually vulnerable are our number one priority on Sundays. The newcomers, the less regular attenders, the new or not yet Christians. Over and above our old friends, the more established church members. Catch up with them during the week. Sunday, let's make it about mission more than socialising. Because if you catch up, if you fail to catch up with one of your friends today, they'll still be here in a month or two months' time. But the newcomer or the less regular attender or the person exploring faith may not. Your hospitality and welcome could make all the difference. And just like the Good Samaritan, you could also introduce them to someone who could really help them as well. Here's a fifth aspect of welcoming that I want to highlight. It means giving without any expectation of return. Again, that was what the good Samaritan did. He had nothing to gain from this. But Jesus made the same point there at the beginning of our passage that we heard read. He said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or your sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. And as I see it, What this means for us is we don't just welcome or chat to people we want to be friends with or people we're already friends with when we obviously have something to gain from it. Instead, we take an interest in people irrespective of what we might have in common, irrespective of any potential benefits to ourselves and do so simply because they are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ or even better, because they are not yet fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but are potentially heading that way. 
And now here's my sixth and final and very brief thing that I want to urge us to do. It's that we remember, follow up, and pray for those that we welcome. Because if people are to truly settle, they're not looking for a long series of one-off encounters. They need people who remember them, look out for them in subsequent weeks, and pray for them and actively befriend them. Who invite them around for dinner. Who invite them to their life group, something we really want to encourage. And by the way, if you're not in a life group but you'd like to join one, in the garden room, we've got a display that goes through all of the groups and what they're like and who's in them and what they focus on. Why not sign up for one of those today? A great way to grow more in your faith if you can make a daytime or an evening meeting regularly. But in the very early stages of going along to a church, what really makes a difference is someone properly engaging with us, then remembering us, then looking out for us, then inviting us into greater involvement, and ultimately someone who's willing to offer friendship to us, even if they've already got lots of friends. If we want to be welcoming people in a welcoming church, we need to leave space in our life for new people. Don't just leave it to the other new people. Most of the time, in most churches, that simply doesn't work. I need to land. What sort of community do we want to be part of? If you feel on the fringes here at St. Paul's today, I'd really encourage you to get more involved. Join a life group. Come to some of the socials that happen. Maybe join a rotor and help to get to know others by serving alongside them. And if you feel fully settled and integrated here, will you get to know someone you don't know this morning after the service, or after next week's nine o'clock service, if that's where you're heading? Or will you join one of our hospitality teams, whether the stewarding team, what we used to call sidesmen, the welcome team, or helping the team that serves tea and coffee? You can sign up for any of those in the welcome area after the service. Well, I want to finish just with a moment of silence, just to allow us to process what we've heard and just to think about what God is calling us to do in this area. Is it to seek to be more welcomed? To seek more more experience of the support and friendship of others here in this church? Or is it to offer more of ourselves for those who would most benefit here at St. Paul? So let's take a minute just to listen to God and then I will pray for us all now. So, Father, we pray that you would help us to play the part that you want us to play in making St. Paul's the most welcoming church it can be. Would you go before us? 
Would you prompt us by your spirit? Would you lead us as we invite others into this family? And Father, would you fill us with that love for others that you have so clearly shown to us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.